Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. SCP-3301. The Foundation. Ordinarily, I would start a video with some sort of philosophical quandary or statement or some observation about the nature of life and reality, but I won't be doing that this time. That's because SCP-3301 isn't a deep, complicated anomaly with a grand mystery or ramifications surrounding it. Instead, it's simply a board game, albeit a highly anomalous one, but a board game nonetheless. That's not to say that 3301 isn't a fun and interesting SCP, but there's not a whole lot to say about it other than describing its details. So let's dive in. SCP-3301 is an ornate silver box with a latch and silver key. On the lip of the box are the words, The Foundation, a game by Cryogen Studios, a division of Dr. Wondertainment. Inside of the box is a simple resource management board game with accompanying game pieces and other game parts. Inside of a velvet-lined drawer, however, is a small gold key, which fits the lock on the box. Using this key while the box is closed will cause a hatch to open on top of the box, revealing a purple button inscribed with the letter W. Pushing the Wonder button, as it's called, activates the anomalous properties of 3301, beginning a fresh game of the Foundation. Now, once the box is opened, it will contain a large game board of differing size, shape, and design, along with eight place markers of different sizes, shapes, and designs. There will also always be a slot in the middle of the board for a small silver box to be placed, which, if opened by a player on their turn, will contain one to three random game cards. The box was discovered on the desk of the Site-19 site director one day with an accompanying letter. The letter was apparently written by Dr. Wondertainment, who explains that the world is filled with people with different purposes, from healing the sick, to resurrecting broken gods, to ridding the world of the unnatural. The people of Wondertainment seek to make people smile and give people a reason to be happy, if only for a little while. The SCP Foundation seek to protect the world from the anomalous and let humanity bask in the light. Despite their differences, Wondertainment respects their motives, as the Foundation has likely saved them a dozen times over, so they want to return the favor. This game is their greatest toy yet, with no jokes, gaffes, or plotting, and they've put everything at their disposal into its creation. They sincerely hope the Foundation enjoys it. That's all well and good. But they also mention that the Foundation is doing the favor of playtesting the game for them, as they're hoping to put it out on shelves soon. If the Foundation ever stops playing it for a few days, they'll know that they are done testing it, and they'll release it. Since you'll see how much of an information breach this game could be out in the world, it necessitates that the Foundation continues to playtest it. 
The rest of the document describes the various components and mechanics of the game in extensive detail. The game's manual is a leather-bound pamphlet describing the game as a 50th anniversary edition. The introduction to the manual says that the game is only for the strong, willed, and mighty of heart, with danger lurking around every corner and foul things creeping in the night. And there's a chance you could become Mr. Collector or maybe Mr. Containment in the process. The game is played between 2 to 8 teams of 2 players, or 4 to 16 total individuals, with each team consisting of a primary player and a secondary player. The game begins when each primary player selects a player piece to identify themselves with, most of which are symbols of various groups of interest or persons of interest. The game board produced from the box varies anomalously when the game begins, depicting different settings, such as the Land of the Unclean, Echoes of the Mariana, Bigfoot's Jungle, and the Cosmic Starfish. Once the board is unfolded and the small box is placed in the center, the surrounding area, roughly 300 meters in diameter, will undergo dramatic anomalous changes. This area will mimic the current game board on a larger scale, typically built into an arena setting. Outside observers will see the space appear to fall away, as if their viewpoint is now a massively expanded bird's eye view of the anomalous space. The primary players will now find themselves seated around a flat crystalline table suspended above the game board arena, while the secondary players will be down below in the arena. The start of the game is typically accompanied by music and fireworks, and once begun, nothing can be passed through the distortions surrounding the game arena. Secondary players who die during the course of the game will appear outside of the 300 meter area shortly after their death, unharmed, while primary players will be stuck inside for the duration of the game. As the game begins, each primary player will draw seven cards from the box in the center of the board. Each turn involves the primary player playing one card from their hand and rolling two six-sided dice, followed by the secondary player taking their corresponding action, and the primary player drawing another card to end the turn. Each player begins the game in their containment facility, essentially their home base on the board where they can choose and swap out the pieces of equipment equipped to their game pieces, aka the secondary player. By default, each game piece can equip two weapons, three pieces of other equipment, two abilities, and one companion, but some cards can increase the number of equipment slots, such as the Big Bag Otators card. The roll of the dice from each primary player corresponds to how far the secondary player is allowed to move during their turn, accompanied by making some sort of action, such as an attack. We'll get to the various types of cards possible in the game in a bit, of which there are many, but first let's look at the different victory conditions. Regardless of the setting of the game, a number of victory conditions are available to each player, with all of them equally valid for each game. Depending on the player's actions and the different events that might occur during the game, a team could focus their attention on any one of these. To win the Mr. Finder victory, a team has to search for clues to discover the location of a hidden item on the board, denoted by a golden W mark. 
This item is typically protected by anomalous entities or dangerous memes or anti-memes, or is in a highly hazardous location. If a secondary player manages to grab the item and return it to their containment facility, they win the game. To win the Mr. Collector victory, a rare purple card has to be drawn, which is a random factor, making this condition not always possible. Once the purple card is drawn, however, it brings a random Wondertainment product into the game, generally with exaggerated properties than normal. If a player manages to contain the product and bring it back to their containment facility, they win the game. To win the Mr. Genocide victory, a secondary player has to directly kill every other secondary player in the game. If another player dies indirectly or due to some other player, this victory condition is forfeit. To win the Mr. Eschatology victory, a team has to summon three supreme divine beings into the game. While the game includes divine beings, such as Mr. God or the Gate Guardian, they do not count for this victory. The entities must be supreme divine beings, such as the Clockwork God, the Deer, or the Eel. To win the Mr. Coalition victory, a team must somehow destroy every anomalous artifact and entity in the game, although they themselves only have to be directly responsible for the majority of the destructions. To win the Mr. Containment victory, a team has to contain more than half of the anomalies on the board and return them to their containment facility. To win the Mr. Foundation victory, however, a team has to contain every anomaly and artifact on the board, as well as every other player. Upon completion of this victory, the winning team will each receive 50,000 US dollars as well. To win the Mr. Survivor victory, a secondary player has to be the last player standing, with no other victory conditions met, typically ensuring a win no matter what happens. Finally, the manual for the game mentions that there are many other secret victory conditions, but so far the foundation has only found one, the Mr. Lament victory. In this case, a team wins if they manage to kill another player only by saying hurtful things to them. In one game, an agent insulted another agent's mother, causing them to charge at them and slip off down a ravine, earning the surviving agent's team a Mr. Lament victory. The game also features a number of different difficulty settings that can be chosen before the game begins. On the lowest difficulty, neutralized mode, all of the entities and artifacts are replaced with plush versions, and no entity can do any damage. Lullaby music plays across the board, and there are no victory conditions. Instead, the game simply ends after each player has fallen asleep. On Thaumiel difficulty, entities have reduced damage and players cannot be killed, only knocked out. Certain wind conditions are removed from this difficulty, blood and gore are no longer visible, and nudity is no longer possible, as each player has an unremovable bodysuit underneath their clothes. Notably, the Mr. Foundation victory to win $50,000 cannot be completed on Thaumiel difficulty. Safe difficulty is the baseline for the game, while Euclid difficulty makes entities do more damage, become more resistant to attacks, and have more health overall. 
Additionally, players become unable to view the movements and plays of the other players. Keter difficulty is similar to Euclid, but entities are faster. Maxur difficulty is similar to Keter, but players start with a gunshot wound to a random part of their body. Finally, in Apollyon difficulty, two random hostile supreme divine beings appear on the map after the fourth turn, and players may start the game blind. There are a handful of rules listed in the manual, but aside from what I've already explained, the game is pretty freeform. The rules mention no hitting below the belt, drink your Ovaltine, suspend your disbelief a little bit, this isn't a game for children so kids who play it are really cool, and to buy Wondertainment products. With all that out of the way, let's get to the meat of the document, which is all the different types of cards available in the game, of which there are 8. The cards are a large part of why this game would be such an information breach in the wide world as many cards correspond to anomalies within Foundation containment, or Foundation personnel themselves. Cards can contain different statistics, such as an attack value, a defense value, a number of hit points, an entity's speed, or their accuracy. For reference, each secondary player begins with 6 attack, 6 defense, 10 hit points, 8 speed, and 8 accuracy. Green cards are cards that influence the environment of the board, such as introducing obstacles against other players, bringing in traps and mazes, or bringing in other environments entirely with new hostile entities. Some examples of green cards include the darkness between dimensions, which spawns a machine on the board, and after a random amount of time, the machine will transport anything nearby into the darkness between dimensions. Players here can be saved either by Divine Grace, or with the item Scranton's Grappling Hook. If neither is available, players will eventually come back automatically after a random amount of time, however, they will return squishier. Other green cards are the City of Gods, which spawns a haunted city where opponents entering it have a high chance of encountering a powerful angry deity. or a funny little statue, which, if spawned in an indoor location, creates an infinite maze that opponents can only exit with assistance from outside forces. If outdoors, the effect isn't noticeable, but the card assures us that it's really bad. A Swedish furniture store spawns a friendly and welcoming department store that opponents will have to fight their way out of, if they can get out at all and Island Turtle spawns a turtle to ferry you around if you are at sea. If not, the turtle spawns anyways, but dies from dehydration. Blue cards are companion cards, which are attached to a player piece, at which point they will accompany the secondary player until the card's time limit expires, the companion dies, or the player dies. Blue cards include Site-19 director Tilda Moose, who manifests as an actual rideable moose, a sea slug who wields an anti-material rifle with 13 attack and can summon a ghostly butler to do your bidding, but the slug talks a lot. Other cards include a librarian from the Wanderer's Library who has innate knowledge about a vast array of creatures and realms, but if attacked they'll flee back to their library. 
a very loud bird that is noted as being despicably loud and can stun foes and entities, but will cause players who spend too much time with it to slowly lose their minds. And a surf rock band who provide a player's journey with cool evening tunes and may be able to commune with the starfish, or may just smoke a lot. Red cards encompass all of the different weapons, equipment, or abilities available to a player. These cards last as long as the player is alive, or if it is expended in some manner. The Spear of the Non-Believer is a massive harpoon gun designed to make mortals of gods. It can only be used on cosmic, divine, or supreme divine beings, but provides plus 20 attack versus those entities. The Kmart Katana is a cheap sword that actually decreases the wearer's attack and speed, with an additional penalty if they are also wearing a fedora. The Temporal Tinkering ability allows the user to wield the great and terrible cosmic power of time in very small increments, letting them return up to 10 seconds into the past three times. The card A Gun That Shoots People is a remarkably powerful 50 caliber rifle but when fired causes the shooter to disappear and become compressed into the fired projectile. The card recommends that you give it as a gift to an enemy, but it does provide plus 19 attack. The intro to Mimetics card provides the wielder with innate knowledge of very simple anomalous memes, which if used correctly can be annoying, but if used incorrectly can be even more annoying. Dr. Mann's Six Shooter is a revolver used by the Foundation Doctor Everett Mann, which provides a plus 10 bonus to attack, a bonus to accuracy, a bonus to damage versus undead, and a bonus to lunacy. The card Intro to Unethical Business Practices, 5th edition, which is marked as a Marshall Carter and Dark product, gives the wielder a plus 3 bonus to smooth talking, negotiations, salesmanship, and swindling with side effects including greasy combed back hair and cheap suits. Finally, although the card hasn't actually been seen in Foundation testing, an image in the manual shows the Infinity Gun, said to be a gun made of a god bound by the shredded souls of nine innocents. It instantly annihilates one being or artifact anywhere on the board, so long as the user can describe it as it provides plus infinity to attack, but minus 50 morality. It expires after use. Orange cards don't seem to be drawn from the box, but rather appear randomly on the board whenever a player approaches an uncontained entity. Entities appearing as orange cards can be destroyed or contained, but players won't know the locations or specifics of these entities until stumbling upon them. The deer is an ancient and mysterious supreme divine creature that fell from the stars and broke the masquerade, possessing 34 attack, 28 defense, and 40 health. The technicolor dream goat is said to fill the dreams of its victims with incessant bleeding, possessing only 2 attack, 3 defense, and 4 HP, but is impervious to physical attacks. Mr. God is a divine entity with a penchant for the dramatic, with the card noting that he needs to get off his high horse. He possesses 15 attack, 
8 defense, and 23 HP. A Bundle of Golems is a card of little statue people made of elements that tend to engage in shenanigans. They have 5 attack, 8 defense, and 5 HP, but legend says that they unite once a year to form a powerful Anart Mecha. A very angry star is another divine entity with a specific hatred for planet Earth, possessing 24 attack, 18 defense, and 20 HP, while Corrosion Man is a ghastly former soldier turned into a living nightmare that steals children for probably horrible reasons. The card notes that it lives in an attic above the darkness between dimensions, and it has 9 attack, 9 defense, and 9 HP. Long Korg is an immensely long corgi used for public transportation, and is a very good boy, with 3 attack, 5 defense, and 18 HP. The Wretched Bovine Heart is a demon possessed by Speed Incarnate that is horrifying and unrelenting, causing all entities nearby to lose 2 to their defense against psychological threats, with 17 attack, 5 defense, and 6 HP. The Serpent is a supreme divine entity that tricked Adam el Assem into eating from the Tree of Knowledge, which freed it from its prison. Legends say the Wanderer's Library is built on its back, and it thinks it knows everything, which it probably does. It has 10 attack, 35 defense, and 45 HP. Finally, there is SCP-173 in a sombrero which gave up a life of snapping necks to pursue its dream of dancing, causing nearby entities to potentially be overcome with the urge to dance. It has 4 attack, 9 defense, and 8 HP. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Yellow cards are essentially money cards, or cards that influence the amount of money each player has throughout the game. Depending on the difficulty setting, each player begins with a certain amount of money, such as 10,000 US dollars on safe difficulty, and yellow cards can change this during the game. At the end of each game, the players who won will receive their sum of game money in the form of a gold bar, engraved with the Wondertainment logo from the silver box. The card, A Little Insurgency, causes a player's friends in the insurgency to carry out a coup against another player, receiving all of that player's earnings. Research Grant gives the player a grant for their contributions to academia, but warns them to spend it before the foundation scoops them up. This gives the player $300. Lost Aztec Gold is worth another $300, but tells the player to enjoy their blood money. Well, Business Deal involves a negotiation between the factory and Dr. Wondertainment, earning a player $400. Finally, Mr. Money's Jackpot Extravaganza gives the player $5,000. White cards are known as fortune cards, while black cards are misfortune cards. 
These are randomly distributed to players at the start of each of their turns, and must be played immediately. Black cards are more rare, but are typically more severe of an effect, and while both cards generally only affect the player playing them, they can affect other players, or the entire board. In one instance, a white card was played that summoned divine assistance for every player, resulting in the summoned divine entities battling each other for two hours, while the players attempted to collect as many yellow cards as they could. White cards include an elixir, which consists of the Overseer's Secret Stuff, aka Water from the Fountain of Youth, which completely heals the player of all ailments. Safe Passageway allows a player to bypass a dangerous environmental hazard, while Promotion promotes a player to Senior Junior Researcher, giving them a permanent plus two to attack and plus three to defense. Brushed by the Starfish gives a player plus 10 to attack, defense, and HP for three turns, while Angel of Mercy provides a free resurrection if the player holding it happens to die. Black cards include a card that causes the Sun God Nurgle to punch the player, instantly killing them, or a Containment Breach, in which all contained anomalies are suddenly returned to the game board. Friend or foe causes all of a player's companions to become hostile to them, while the Consolidation card removes the Mr. Containment and Mr. Foundation win conditions from the game. The description of this card reads, A deal is signed, the Foundation dissolves, only the Coalition remains. When this card came up during testing, a player asked their companion, the Librarian, what it meant. The Librarian stated that Mr. Containment and Mr. Foundation are dead, and this echoes of a situation from somewhere similar but far away. It sensed that Mr. Thresher may have taken their place, and when questioned further, it was unsure how to respond, and appeared noticeably uncomfortable. Finally, the SCP-2521 card also causes the player to die, as the 2521 entity suddenly appears to take them away. Despite the triggers present to cause the actual 2521 entity to appear, it doesn't seem to trigger the effect through the spatial anomaly created by the game. Lastly, we have the purple cards, which are wondertainment products that only show up extremely rarely, with the Foundation only seeing six of them over the course of 50 games. The document only lists one, although it mentions that in one game set in the Echoes of the Mariana, Mr. Fish appeared as an enormous predatory shark. The Mr. Moon card states that it disrupts the tides and summons werewolves across the map, and it claims that it's not made of cheese, but it's maybe made of cheese. It possesses 19 attack, 20 defense, and 20 HP, and if it is contained and brought back to the player's containment facility, like any other purple card, the players will win the Mr. Collector victory. At one point, the Foundation stopped testing the game for a week, resulting in a small shipment of the game to be discovered on a truck heading to a toy store in Wisconsin. The Foundation began playing the game immediately after the discovery, and the games were promptly removed before they could be viewed by a larger audience. The Foundation has no idea how Wondertainment got so much info about the Foundation and its contained anomalies, but they've decided it's in the best interest of containment to relax restrictions to the game, 
and continue regular playing. They haven't found the game to represent any sort of malicious intent on Wondertainment's part, but it doesn't change the Foundation's overall perspective on using anomalies for recreation or their stance on Wondertainment. Finally, we're given a short log of a Foundation test of the game, apparently their first testing of it. The game consisted of four teams of two playing on the Garden of Eden board. One team gets an early start due to containing two entities within the first five turns, thanks to the Mr. Containment's Vac and Suck card. Another team then opens a secret treasure chest to find the Sacrifice red card, which is then used to summon the Planet of Ten Thousand Fingers Supreme Divine Orange card. While one team was fending off attacks from this entity, the second team received another red card, Error in the Database, which allowed them to summon another Supreme Divine Being, Mary Nakayama, from Kate McTierris' 001 proposal. Mary Nakayama was easily able to wipe out the team fighting the planet. On the 29th turn, the team that had an early lead drew a purple Wondertainment card, Miss Sweetie which cast a sugary haze over the entire board. That team's secondary player spent the next three turns attacking Miss Sweetie, hoping to quickly contain it to earn the Mr. Collector victory. This was interrupted when the player was sniped by another player from a nearby hillside, who then also began to attack Miss Sweetie. The game ended when the second team drew the upgrade card and used it on a puzzle box card they had received when the Clockwork Fanaticism card was used on the secondary player, causing their insides to be replaced with gears and pulleys, with the puzzle box being found in their stomach. This created the Celestial Puzzle Box, which was then used to summon the Clockwork God, immediately ending the game as they had summoned three Supreme Divine Beings, earning them the Mr. Eschatology victory. The game lasted 3 hours, 14 minutes, and 58 seconds, and following the victory fanfare, the winners received a gold bar from the box worth exactly $1,750. So that's it. No tricks, no mystery, no world-ending disasters or hidden implications. It's just a very cool game that the Foundation gets to continue to enjoy, which is kind of nice. In some ways, it's just a bit of a love letter to the SCP universe, containing dozens of references to other anomalies and individuals. It's not really something that needs to be explained, but it's a fun thing to read about, and the SCP universe needs that sometimes. <laughs>